WDBM East Lansing. Bringing you sports from NBA to NHL to NFL and more. But more importantly, bringing you the full rundown on MSU Spartan Sports. We cover it all. Get us on the phone at 432-3893. And now, the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Welcome to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. My name is Dave Harinku. I'll be your host as usual for the next hour. As always, my lovely co-host Megan to my left. Megan, how are you doing on this Monday? I am doing well, thank you. Great to hear. How was the weekend? Good, good. I mean, pretty pretty laid back to say the least. I did work and I did watch the games and stuff like that, but other than that, it was pretty... Pretty chill. Pretty standard. Yeah, pretty normal weekend, if anything. Nothing too exciting to report. Yeah, I mean, we did play Central. Yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> that too. But, um, no, at the same time, I, I hope all of our listeners out there had a great weekend. Um, you know, weather pretty decent. It was raining a little bit, but I love the fall. Um, you know, those overcast days in the summer have a different feel than those overcast days in the fall. You just accept mm-hmm. them because uh, it's football time. Uh, but, again, hopefully everyone had a good weekend out there, safe, and had a good time. But uh, we have a lot to get to on today's show regarding sports. A lot happened this weekend. We'll definitely be talking about Michigan State and their game over the Chippewas this last Saturday. We'll also really be delving into Big Ten play, which will be kicking off here this weekend. Michigan State will be traveling to Columbus to face the Buckeyes, so a lot to talk about regarding that game. We'll also be discussing the Detroit Lions, a stunning comeback from behind victory against the Minnesota Vikings yesterday. Uh, One of the best wins I've seen in a long time. Um, Even though they were down, it was an exciting and a very resilient win, so we will definitely be talking about that also the game coming up next week against the Dallas Cowboys and really how for real this Detroit Lions team is Uh, we'll also talk a little bit more about other games that went on around in the NFL this last weekend we'll also be touching on the Detroit Tigers Tigers only three games left in the regular season this Monday Tuesday and Wednesday one game back of the Texas Rangers for a better record for and for home field advantage so we'll be discussing that also we'll get back into it AL MVP who deserves it we'll talk about it a little bit more in depth on today show. We also got a little bit of basketball news for you. Megan's always got NASCAR for you, so we got a full slate. Don't forget the phone number, 517-432-3893 is your number. You can call an all show about whatever we're discussing. Love to hear your opinions and thoughts. But we are going to start off with the Michigan State Spartans. The Spartans did play here in East Lansing on Saturday, noon game, and it was against the Central Michigan Chippewas. In a game that I think many people already had assumed, at least from the Spartan uh, standpoint, that we were going to win this game, that we would crush them. It would be kind of a practice-type game kind of feel to it. Work out your flaws before you start Big Ten play, and that's exactly what it was. 45-7 to was your final score. Michigan State absolutely annihilating the Chippewas, um, being up 31 to nothing at the half, um, giving up a touchdown there in the third quarter because of a blocked punt uh, by the Chippewas. But uh, really, overall, solid game for our Spartans. Um, they practiced what they could not do against Notre Dame, and that was run the football. Um, you know, everything we were talking about from last week, 29 rushing yards on 23 carries is just not acceptable, no matter, honestly, who you are playing. But the Spartans did get it done against the Chippewas. They rushed 47 times for a total of 197 yards. Uh, Le'Veon Bell himself had three touchdowns. Um, the Spartans did look very good again when it came to the run game. Really, all of our running backs, pretty all-around solid game. Le'Veon Bell was a standout with 81 yards and three touchdowns. But Larry Caper still 52 yards on the ground. Edwin Baker with 49. And Nick Hill even a little bit in there with 20 yards. So overall, a very solid rushing performance by a team that that was their biggest issue. Not just the offensive line and creating holes, but can they run the football? Again, we need to keep this in context. It was against the Chippewas. 
This was not against Notre Dame. This was not against a powerhouse uh, Big Ten team. Again, this was a practice-type game in a lot of ways, I believe. But, um, you know, Kirk Cousins had a very... Um, Average game, I guess you could say. Again, they were really trying to run the ball, so the passing game was not in the forefront of D'Antonio or Dan Richard's minds. But uh, Cousins went 13 for 22, 213 yards, one touchdown, and one interception as well. Um, they did a great job on defense, only holding, I mean, holding the Chippewas to a little 112 yards in total offense. Uh, the Spartans had 481 total net yards as well. So, a uh, very good job there by Michigan State, being very disciplined as well on the other. On both sides of the football, four penalties for only 20 yards. So uh, that was quite good as well. Uh, Megan, looking at this game against the Chippewas, again, really kind of a practice-type game. Flesh out your issues before going into next week. Um, what did you see from Michigan State that you liked, and was there anything you saw that you worry about, or was they pretty much you know, you know, know, flying on all cylinders in this game? Um, I mean, they, they looked good. Like you said, it was Central. It's hard to, you know, like a team like Central, it's hard to say if they looked good. Yeah, I Because agree. Central looked bad at the same time, so it's hard to say they did this well, you know. Oh, yeah, they, they were great in this. Yeah, they are good in this. I mean, rushing, like you said, 170, 197 yards to 21, um, passing 284 to 91. Like, there was no contest even between those two. Like you said, the worst thing I probably saw them do was the blocked kick. Yeah. And Central scored. Too bad we couldn't shut them out. That was kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. I wish we would have. Yeah, why not? Another yeah. goose egg on the board for the season. Yeah, why not? But everything else looked good. I mean, penalties, 4 for 20, not bad. That's no? normally my biggest concern with them. Um, <laughs> I they Honestly, they looked good. Not, not much concerned me, and it's hard to say if anything really would. Um, just because it was central. Yeah, and again, I think if anything did concern us against against central, then that's a problem. Yeah, exactly. Then I would be very, very. Then it's like, wait a second, next year or next week. Um, but other than that, no. And I, I, I think they looked good. And I only stayed for half the game too because it was such a blowout before. It's like time to go. I know, and I ended up going home, and then I'm like flipping back and forth between channels. I'm like, oh. This isn't very exciting. No, I mean, I watched the first half, you know, it was 31 to nothing, and then I decided to take a nap and then just wake up for the 3.30 football games yeah. uh, that were going to be played. Because, right. I mean, you know, it, I saw enough in the first half. I saw enough. I knew how the second half was going to basically translate, and it played out exactly as I thought it would. Um, another great thing you saw the Spartans do, four interceptions, um, a great job there in the secondary. Um, you know, even our linebacker, Max Below, intercepted a pass. Uh, Trent Robinson, excuse me, started it off, um, which was real nice. Safety Isaiah Lewis also picked off a pass. Um, you know, that was a very good job by the secondary. Um, this is the most interceptions they have had in a game since Northern Colorado last year. So, I mean, that was really nice to see. Um, the defense has played very well, I think, for the Spartans. Even if you want to go to the Notre Dame game, in a lot of ways, um, they gave up some big plays, the 89-yard touchdown run. But really, overall, I mean, Michigan State has looked quite good when it comes to just holding opponents to low amounts of points. Again, it's tough to really say give them too much praise. You played Florida, I mean you played Florida Atlantic, you played Youngstown State, you played Notre Dame, but then you played Central, you know, so the measuring stick, you know, what is it really? But uh, Spartans are only giving up 11 points a game, which is eighth best in the FBS at this time. So nonetheless, whether who no matter who you're playing, that's good. 
They're only giving up eight. You know, they're giving up 11 points a game. So uh, it's very solid to see that as well. Um, like we were talking about uh, how they were really thinking about running the ball. This is a um, quote from Coach D'Antonio regarding that. He said, quote, we made an emphasis to run the football. I just wanted to force the issue a little bit as the head football coach. I wanted to make sure that what we talked about all week long, that given the opportunity, we we're going to take the football and not say, okay, let's do this. And by the way, you can have the ball, end quote. So, I mean, basically, that's why they won the cost. They wanted the football and they wanted to start on the ground and just, you know, really get everyone enough reps, get everyone going. So next week, when we go into the, when you go into the horseshoe, your running game is going to succeed to a degree because if you can't run the football, you're not going to win. I don't care. Kirk Cousins hasn't looked as great as he did last year, even in these opening games. He hasn't looked as, I guess you want to say, just polished. Uh, but again, Big Ten play is starting off here soon. Um, again, I want to ask all of our listeners, what do you think of this game coming up here against the Ohio State Buckeyes? Okay, the Buckeyes just beat, um, you know, they just won uh, this last weekend against Colorado. Looked quite good, 37-17. to Colorado, not some amazing school, but still not some simple game. Uh, Braxton Miller looked fantastic. Fantastic. His first start um, as a freshman, he had two touchdowns. Um, he really looked good out there. A very mobile quarterback, not as big and strong as a Terrell Pryor, but nonetheless has a lot of the same qualities that Terrell Pryor had. But what do you guys think of the matchup coming up here this weekend? 517 432 3893 is your phone number. Um, you know, just want to know because this is a big game. Okay, the Spartans are 3 and 1. They are not ranked. Yet again, they fell out um, just by one. They're at their 26th. They received 52 votes this weekend, up from 41 last weekend, but they still are right there on the cusp of breaking into the top 25. Again, 3 and 1. Michigan State has one of the most difficult and ridiculous schedules in the month of October. This is the month that will make or break the Spartans, hands down. Uh, there's no joking about that. There's That's just the bottom line. Okay, You start at Ohio State. You have a bye week October 8th. After that, you welcome the Wolverines to Spartan Stadium on the 15th. Then you have your night game against Wisconsin, who hands down looks like the powerhouse of the Big Ten right now. That also a home game here at Michigan State. And then you travel to Nebraska to play the Cornhuskers on October 29th. That is the most brutal October schedule that I've seen in a while for a team like the Spartans. That is going to make or break our team. Because if you look at that schedule, this is a team that could easily be 5-3 and three when all is said and done. Or, really, they could be you know a 4-3 a and three ball club. Or not four and three, four and four, excuse me, ball club. And that could come out, that could happen very easily. It really could. If you go four and four, good luck the rest of the way. Um, you know, it's just going to be a very tough month for this team. And I think this game at Ohio State is so imperative to this team starting Big Ten playoff strong. Um, you know, this is a team in Ohio State that will be without Dan Heron, their main running back still. They will be out with without Devere Posey, their main wide receiver. They'll still be missing Mike Adams, their linebacker, Solomon Thomas, their defensive end. They're still going to be missing key guys. This is the last week that they will have to endure the suspension of the five games. So we need to take advantage of that. Now, looking at this game, Megan, do you see Michigan State going into Ohio and stealing this, not even stealing this game, but winning? We haven't won it at Columbus since 1998. It's been a long time since we beat them. Um, can we do this? You know, can we beat this team? I, I try. Will to... we beat this team, I guess, is always <laughs> I know, the better. you always ask me that. Yeah, will. Um, I only caught a little bit of the OSU game because I ended up falling asleep. Like, you napped, I napped, too. Yeah. Um, but... Can we do it? Of course we can do it, like I say every year. Mm -hmm. um, 
I think we just need to play our hearts out. Like, OSU obviously is a broken program, but they they aren't bad. That's yeah, the exactly. thing. Like, they're not bad. And um, will we do it? Uh. Will we do it? Because, you know, I mean, again, we haven't won there since 1998. Um, you know, that's actually hey. when we upset them as the number one team in the country. I mean, the Lions just beat the Vikings, and they hadn't beat them since 1997. They hadn't. And so but any- the Lions are a different team Anything's possible, though. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's pretty much the thing of that. Um, but will we do it? I, I Like I said last week, it's hard to say. It's, is, of is, course. Is it going to be, you know, MSU had it easy this week. I'm going to say that with, with Central. They had it very, very easy this week. I can't say going into next week, basing it on this past weekend, that they can do it the way that they played. Of course they can the way that they played. They just need to up it more because OSU is a Big Ten team. They are a good program. They've been a powerhouse program for a long time. Just this year, they're having some problems. A little bit. But they're not bad. They're still 3-1. and one. Exactly, but they're not bad. And so will we do it? I don't know. Like, I was, we were, we were pretty set on saying we're going to beat Notre Dame, we're going to beat Notre Dame, we're going to beat Notre Dame. And yeah. we lost to them, what, 31-13? to 13. Yeah. And so I don't want to sit here and say, oh, they're definitely going to do it, you know, because it can go either way. I well, think. of course. And I'm not sitting here and saying they're definitely going to do it. This is going to be a tough road game. Mm-hmm. Again, I mean, you haven't seen – we haven't beat this team since 1998. Obviously, they were a different, different team. Um, but even in 1998, they were the number one team, and we did beat them at Columbus. Um, a little fact, uh, Michigan State, um, we're the only big – we have failed to beat since D'Antonio became our head coach in 07 is Ohio State. So Ohio State is the one team we just have not been able to get over the hump and mm-hmm. beat. Um, if you look at our last meeting with OSU, which was in 2008, so there's not too much of a pedigree for that. Again, with D'Antonio, we've only faced them uh, one time. But the last meeting in 08, uh, we lost 45-7, to and I definitely remember this game. It was at Spartan <laughs> Stadium. With, you know, we were down 28 to nothing at the half. We were outgained 254-60 to in yards. Um, just absolutely disgusting. Four, four, five turnovers were forced by OSU. Um, we were absolutely dominated by Ohio State. Again, that was a different team. Uh, looking at this week, though, I do think that the Spartans do get the win. I, I'm going to stick by my original pick. Um, I had the Spartans beating Ohio State on the road, and I still think they will do it. They will benefit from them losing those guys that were so in, you know important for them. Um, Ohio State's one loss was at Miami. Um, and I think that Miami, a team that just lost to Kent State this last weekend in a very back-and-forth game, that win would have meant a, that loss wouldn't have meant as much if Miami was the Miami of old, but they also aren't uh, losing twenty four to six. Quite an embarrassing loss at that point. But they have figured something out with Braxton Miller. I think Braxton Miller is really going to be the face of the Ohio State um, quarterback for a while. He's fast. He's young. Um, if you saw that game at all against Colorado, he's got great legs. And he can run the ball, and he's got some decent passing. So uh, they should be able to do it. Um, you look at their passing yards, they rank 109th in the nation in passing. So not the greatest team through the air. But with, run- with running the football, they do rank 39th in the country. So not too bad. Also, pretty good defense. 17th uh, overall in the nation, only giving up 15.8 points a game. But again, it's such a tough measuring stick when you look at Big Ten. Because the Big Ten, all of them, they all play cupcake schedules. Mm -hmm. All of them do. And I'm not trying to – you can't really compare the SEC necessarily in the Big Ten. But you look at the SEC, you look at what LSU has done in their first three weeks of the season, having to play at West Virginia, having to play Oregon, having to play – I mean, I forget who they played the second week, but they've just looked so dominant and had such tough teams to face up against. And you look at Michigan State. Yeah, you had Notre Dame in there, but Youngstown State. Even look at Michigan, Eastern Michigan, San Diego State. You know, just a bunch of just bumbling teams that really can't get it done. And it's, you know, basically JV versus, you know, the, you know, varsity, it seems like, every week. But I think it's going to be a very close game. 
I think it's going to be an extremely close game. Right now, Vegas has the line at 2.5. So, you know, Ohio State's favored by 2.5. They are at home, and they deserve to be favored by 2.5. But again, uh, I think Michigan State is finally looking to get some revenge. You know, we have not beat this team in a while. In a long while. Uh, here's a quote from Coach D'Antonio regarding the game. It says, quote, we are now in a position where we start looking at the Big Ten Conference. Obviously, we'll be a great opponent in the first game, and it will be down in Columbus at 3.30. We'll point toward that and have our guys ready to go. We'll be focused and ready to go. It will be a challenge for us, as everybody knows. But I am looking forward to the opportunity, end quote. Again, I do want to know what our listeners think. You know, win or lose, what is something the Spartans need to do to win this game? Where will it be? Where will this game be won? 517-432-3893 is your phone number. Because with me looking at it, I think the biggest thing is the offensive line. And it still goes back to the offensive line. And, the, you know, you had Skylar Berkland who was injured. You know, he's not playing after that South, at the game in a South Bend against Notre Dame. So he's going to be out. Um, Dan Rouchard says, quote, I felt the offensive line perform better. I saw some consistency, some movement in there. So there are some encouraging things there, end quote. And that's true, but you played Central again. So playing Central is a different monster than playing Ohio State. Um, Redshirt freshman Travis Jackson did get his first start at center, uh, and Fofinotti, who was placing Berkland, also got his first start at right tackle. So they looked quite decent there, opening the lanes for running the football, but... Um, if you had to think, if you had to pick anything, Megan, here, um, I'm seeing a single-digit win for the Spartans, something like 24-20. Just tell me, you think they're going to win or they lose? Because obviously it could go either way, of course, mm-hmm. but that's why we're on sports radio and we got to make picks. <laughs> so do they beat the Buckeyes? I mean, if, if I'm going to make a pick, I'll stand by my team. And I think it's going to be single digits, too. I think it's going to be a really, really, really close, really good game because they are both Big Ten teams and they are both good teams. Yes. And so I do see it being really close, and I do see the Spartans pulling through. Yeah, uh, I do as well. I mean, that's not fan talk. I picked this from the beginning. I think that we got lucky having to face them in week five, uh, you know, with missing some of their key guys, and I think we can take advantage of that. And again, I can't emphasize enough how important it is for this team to beat Ohio State. I think if they can, if they lose to Ohio State, you know, so many people talking 10 and 2, 11 and 1 early in the season, and there's nothing wrong with being that, you know, um, that passionate and that just, you know, hopeful for your program. But at the same time, they lose that game to, at Ohio State. You go down 3 to 2. Um, you start off big play, Big Ten play 0 and 1. Yeah, you get a bye week, but I tell you, Michigan, Wisconsin, at Nebraska, that says enough. This is the toughest month. This decides the year for the Spartans. It really does. It's the difference between winning a Big Ten title, possibly playing in the Rose Bowl, or being one of those eight and four teams or seven and five teams that just, you know what, had just too many struggles throughout the season that couldn't get over the hump. Because later in the season, yeah, guess what? You're going to beat some of these other crap opponents that you have. Of course you are. The Big Ten is very weak in a lot of ways. They haven't looked great this year. They just haven't. Okay, but I mean, yeah, we'll win against Minnesota, a team that just lost. They just lost. They're terrible. Minnesota is garbage. At Iowa, we a tough game. Indiana just lost to North Texas, which is the biggest joke in the world. They lost to an FCS school at Northwestern. That'll be tough as well. But Michigan State has a tough schedule. And if they don't come out and win this game this weekend, honestly, I'm not saying free fall. I'm not going to get jump out to a jump out on a limb. But you just got to be careful. You got to be real careful. Some other news around the Big Ten this weekend: Michigan beat San Diego State twenty-eight to seven. Denard Robinson, who is a running back, not a quarterback, ran for two hundred yards, three touchdowns, and he only passed for ninety-four yards. 
went eight for seventeen with two picks. It's the most ridiculous stat line I've seen in a while. Uh, Penn State destroyed Eastern Michigan thirty-four to six. Iowa had its way with Louisiana Monroe. Iowa winning forty-five seventeen. Again, Ohio State beat Colorado thirty-seven seventeen. Wisconsin absolutely demolished South Dakota fifty-nine to ten. Illinois squeaking a win out against the Broncos of Western Michigan twenty-three twenty is your final. But Illinois is four and zero for its first time since nineteen fifty-one. Very good defensive team. Need to work on offense. Um, looking at a couple of the other games, Minnesota losing to North Dakota State. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. It's so bad. Uh, they lost 37-24. And again, North Texas beating Indiana 24-21. to But North Texas actually even got up 21 nothing in that game. So uh, Indiana and Minnesota talk about the doormats of the Big Ten this year. And Nebraska beating Wyoming 38-14. to um, When looking at the AP poll right here, um, LSU is your new number one in the AP. They, are, uh, they had 42 first-place votes. Oklahoma is number two. They received 12 first-place votes. Alabama is your number five. Boise State, your number four, and Oak State jumps up to number five after their nice win uh, this weekend. Uh, Stanford is six, Wisconsin is seven, Nebraska eight, Oregon nine, South Carolina ten. Uh, some of the other teams around the Big Ten, Michigan has moved up to nineteenth now. They are four and zero again. Wait till Big Ten plays ten. Big plant, Big Big Ten play starts. <laughs> excuse me uh, for Michigan, and also uh, Illinois rounds it out at twenty four. Arizona State jumps in at 25 after defeating USC. Again, Michigan State right there on the cusp. Almost got in. Mm-hmm. Almost. That's Almost. okay. It's early, you know? Mm-hmm. It still is early. A lot to be done, a lot to be played. So uh, we'll see what happens. Some of the other news looking around here in uh, college football. Uh, again, Oklahoma, they destroyed Missouri. Um, Missouri was ahead on them, but Oklahoma, they couldn't. They just blew them out basically by the end. 38 28 is your final. And I guess now I don't want to say blow out, but they came back to show that they are a solid team. LSU defeating West Virginia on the road 47 21. Alabama having its way with Arkansas 38 14. Boise, of course, beat Tulsa. Again, Oak State in a great game against Texas A&M this weekend. 30-29 to was your final great game. Well, probably one of the best games I watched all weekend. Uh, Oregon destroyed Arizona, giving up way too many points. So 56-31. Clemson looking at someone maybe one of the best offensive teams in the country, defeating Florida State 35-30. to South Carolina beating Vanderbilt 21-3. to Also a nice win for them. And, you know, pretty much everything around the league is really what you would expect. Again, uh, the only upset that really Arizona State defeating 23rd ranked USC 43 to 22. So a uh, very nice win for Arizona State and that also bodes well for Illinois actually beating Arizona State this last week. So are uh, you excited for Big Ten play to start, Megan? I'm very excited. I'm sick of seeing Central games and Youngstown State games. Me too. San Diego State games and like, I don't know. I'm, re- I'm ready to see our teams start playing each other. I know. It's just, I mean, <laughs> it just gets so boring. It's almost like NFL preseason. It really is. No one cares. I mean, and I, you know, I, I always pay more attention to the other games. I, of course, I watch Michigan State. Don't get me wrong, but they're just boring games. Like I think I've watched pretty much probably about. I watched the whole Notre Dame game. Don't get me wrong, but the other games I probably watched like a half, hmm. roughly. I yeah. don't know. It depends. It gets boring because it's just the same old, same old. So uh, we'll see. Is. But uh, regarding Michigan, real fast. You know, I just want to ask you, Megan. Our listeners can call in and comment on this. What do you think of Michigan? Michigan's four and zero right now. You know, again, third consecutive year they're four and zero. You know, they see, they kind of remind me of uh, the Michigan State under John L. Smith, always kind of going four and zero, five and zero, and then you get to Big Ten play and you stink it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, again, Denard Robinson, two hundred rush yards, three touchdowns, but his passing looked 
pathetic. Mm-hmm. Um, again, 8 for 17, 94 yards, uh, two interceptions, um, couldn't run the ball. What do you think of Michigan right now? Unfortunately, the only Michigan game I have seen so far is their one against Notre Dame. And from what I saw during that game, I know it's probably not the best to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Even using your stat line with Denard Robinson and stuff, you know, he's more of a running back than a quarterback. Yeah. And I've always thought that. I always thought Denard was really overrated. He's fast, but he's just not a quarterback. Um, it's just their defense from the game I saw was basically non-existent. They could not stop the ball for the life of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I think, I always say they're the most overrated team, to be honest. Um and everyone's like, oh, you know, they're whatever. They're not even ranked. This was before they were in the AP or BCS or anything. Yeah, the AP. And I was like, but still, people think they're they're better than they actually are. And just because they're not ranked doesn't mean people aren't like, oh, yo, we're so good this year. We're going to beat Michigan State. I'm like, eh. You know, it's just they have so many holes and so many problems, I think, with their team, including defense, including they need a better passing quarterback, although their running game does work a lot. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> And they just need, I don't know, and I just think once they do get into Big Ten play, I think they will get a wake-up call, and I think Michigan fans will kind of start to humble down and hide in their Well, they'll never do that. They'll they'll, they'll never do that. They'll never humble down. They'll never be logical about their football program. (laughs) Right. You can't be honest with uh, a lot of Wolverine fans, because if you talk anything about them, and this is the interesting thing with Wolverine fans, because state fans, I don't think, do this as much. Um, They they do at times, Mm -hmm. but, you know, already... I've had discussions with U of M fans, and the and already like, I, listen, congratulations, Michigan. Listen, seriously, you're nineteenth in the country right now. You're four and zero. That's something to be proud of. Okay, regardless of whether you started Big Ten play or not, honestly, congratulations to that. That is good. Uh, I'm not trying to knock that at all. I mean, we all played a lot of crap teams, and we both played one of the same teams in Notre Dame. But this is the thing that I want to talk about. It's that it matters in Big Ten play a and b. All you Wolverine fans, all I've heard already is, well, we beat Notre Dame and you didn't. <laughs> Well, okay, yeah, I get it, okay? But you know what? I think that's going to be, again, the one thing you have to rely on when the season's over. Well, we beat Notre Dame and you didn't. Well, so what? (coughs) Because personally to me, it's not about about non-conference play. It is for other... At the SEC, other college, you know, divisions, you know, other, uh, you know, conferences, it matters for them because they do play some decent opponents a lot of the time. The Big Ten doesn't. They just don't. I, the team that probably played the de- most decent opponent of anyone can maybe look at Nebraska playing Washington or, I mean, maybe Ohio State playing Miami. And that's not even the same Miami team again, you know, but really everything is proved to me when Big Ten play starts. And I just want Michigan fans to realize that I think Denard Robinson is one of the most electric players in college football. I don't want to take anything away from that kid. He is exciting to watch. He is hands-down exciting to watch. I don't like watching U of M football. I don't like rooting for U of M, but I like looking at Denard play because it's interesting to see that type of player he is. But his passing game is really going to hurt him and hurt his team if they can't figure that out. Because I'm sorry, you are not going to rush for 200 yards for three touchdowns on like 10 carries against a team like Wisconsin in their front four. Or against a Nebraska defense with Jared Crick in the middle there. Just a beast. You're not going to do that against a better defense like Illinois. You're not going to do that. And again, you've been at home every single game. You're not even going to go on the road until week six. Okay, They get to, play, they get to open up big, ten, big time play at home against Minnesota. So let's make them 5-0 and right now because I don't think Minnesota has a gopher in their magic hat to make anything happen to beat Michigan. That won't happen. They'll be 5-0. and 
you can guarantee it. Okay, Michigan will be five and zero, and hopefully, honestly, I hope they're six and zero when they come into Spartan Stadium. I hope they win at Northwestern on October eighth. I really do. It's going to be quite interesting to see what goes on there. Dan Persa is actually finally coming back for Northwestern um, this next week. So um, the Northwestern will be playing Illinois. So hopefully, Dan Persa, who's really been out for. I mean, really, like eight months um, with that injury that he sustained last season. Um, we'll see how polished he looks, really, because he's probably going to have a lot of rust on him. But again, just kind of looking overall, next week when Big Ten play starts, Michigan State at Ohio State. Again, Michigan will be playing Minnesota. Uh, Michigan has won 39 of the last, 36 of the last 39 games. So absolutely dominate Minnesota all the time. Looking again at some of the other games, one of the best games to watch is going to be a night game this next Saturday. It's going to be Nebraska at Camp Randall playing Wisconsin. Very exciting game. Probably two of the best teams. No, not probably. Two of the best teams in the Big Ten will be squaring off in the first week of Big Ten play. Uh, University of Wisconsin is 2-3 and three all time versus uh, Nebraska, but that really doesn't mean a lot because the last time they played, 1974. So it has been a while. Penn State will start with at Indiana. There's an easy win. Um, Illinois, again, will be taking on Northwestern, which should be actually a very good game. I'd like to check that one out. Purdue will be playing Notre Dame. Um, Purdue lost last year 12-23 to to Notre Dame. So Purdue, uh, the Boilermakers, should make some Boilermakers for after the game. Um, again, Indiana is going to be playing Penn State. Um, looking around, Iowa is going to have a bye week, so they get to rest a little bit. And Northwestern, again, at Illinois. So it should be a very interesting week in the Big Ten. Very excited to see it kick off. Uh, we are going to take a quick break right now. Again, if any, anyone has any comments regarding the Michigan State, Ohio State game, U of M, whatever we just discussed, please call in. It's not a problem. 517-432-3893. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll be talking Detroit Lions. What a stunning victory against the Minnesota Vikings. An incredible comeback. We'll also get some other news around the NFL. We'll also talk about our Detroit Tigers trying to get home field advantage for the playoffs. Also, AL MVP discussion. Start thinking about it now. Who deserves to win it? And we'll also talk a little bit, a little basketball NASCAR. You are listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. You're listening to Impact Exposure. variety than you'll hear on any other station listen to the impact prime time where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week tuesday nights from eight until midnight the impacts progressive torch and twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music only on impact prime time you wouldn't send a text while using a chainsaw check out these pics of this huge tree falling you probably wouldn't text while scuba diving and you definitely wouldn't send a text while making out. You are so smoking hot. I love your elbows. Wait, hold on a second. Huh? I need to send this. OMG, I'm like totally kissing him right now. Dude, what the f***? So why would you send a text while driving? Well, that's different. That's what about 6,000 people who died last year said. Oh. And now, it's illegal in Michigan to read, type, or send any text from your phone while driving. It's a $100 fine for the first offense and 200 bucks after that. Ouch. Check out Michigan House Bill 4394. Be a part of the solution and save a life. And seriously, put the phone away while you're making out. Aw, come back, Cuddle Bunny. You need help. 88.9 The Impact. Now back to Impact Exposure.
Welcome back to the Spartan Sports Wrap here on 88.9 WDBM East Lansing. David Megan here with you. Got about a half hour left. Uh, lots still to get to, so let's jump right in. Uh, the Detroit Lions face the Minnesota Vikings this Sunday at Minnesota. Uh, we haven't won at Minnesota since 1997. Lost 13 straight years there. Um, it's just an area where we don't have six, we just don't have success there. We haven't won a divisional road game since 2007. 11 straight losses. Um, but people will still, and myself included, thought the Lions were going to win this game. And if you only watched the first half and you went and took that extra nap or you decided, screw this team, they're the same old Lions, well, you know what? You missed out on a classic. The Lions were down 20 to nothing at halftime, but clawed their way back to win 26 to 23 in over, in overtime. Uh, fantastic win. The Lions now 3 and 0 for the first time since 1980. 1980, ladies and gentlemen, 31 years, been a long time. Uh, the Detroit Lions getting it done in all respects. Uh, Calvin Johnson having another amazing game, seven catches, 108 yards. He had two touchdowns um, and had the big catch at the end of the game to put Jason Hansen right there for the 32-yard field goal. Um, when it comes to all-around performance, Brandon Pettigrew, 11 catches, 112 yards. Titus Young did a great job, four catches for 51 yards. And Javid Best looked fantastic. Um, Five for uh, 74 yards, including 60-yard screen pass, which really put us right there at the goal line. So the Lions really clicking. Stafford going 32 of 46, 378 total yards, two touchdowns. Um, you know, this team is not the, t- the Lions of old at all, okay? They've proved it now, in my opinion, week in and week out. Yeah, you know that Chiefs game? That was a fun game, but this game, this game was awesome. This was a this was a win that you will remember because I can't tell you the last time I've seen the Lions get down by that much and ever have a chance at coming back and they did. Now don't get me wrong, it was against a Minnesota Vikings team that has had second half collapses two weeks straight. They were up seventeen to seven against the Chargers in Week One, lost. They were up seventeen nothing against the Tampa Bay Bucks last week, lost. But nonetheless, it takes a little bit of. Just great play from the Lions and some shooting yourself in the foot there by the Vikings. And the Lions come away with another victory. Now a total of seven straight victories going back to last season. And if you want to be a slappy, it's 11 straight victories if you count the preseason. But no one does that. But uh, seven straight victories, really. The Lions looking fantastic. Um, Megan, looking at this team, looking at this game, um, is there any reason to think at this point that the Lions really aren't primed for a a pos- you know a wild card berth or even just a, you know winning the division a playoff run I mean watching them if they would have lost yesterday it would have been a completely different story um looking at them now coming back 20 to nothing at halftime to win 26 to 23 in overtime which they don't see very often when's the last time you saw the Lions in overtime um losing to the uh, losing to the Jets last year <laughs> yeah. after blowing a lead but yeah that's that's we're not very good in <laughs> overtime um, but we don't see them there very often either. And after yesterday, after that comeback, and after winning their first two games, I definitely could see it. I mean, the way they've started this year, 3-0, and like the best that it's been in a long time. I don't even know the numbers. 1980. I mean, it's been a long... Yeah, it's been 31 years since we started 3-0, and so... And that's that's... Even if they lose the next game, that's still an accomplishment in itself. I mean, the Lions are going somewhere. That's how I'm going to look at it. But to look like toward the end of the year, I mean, they still have quite a few games left. I mean, they have what? I don't know. And um, I just, yeah, for wild card for sure. As a Super Bowl team, I'd have to see a couple more games. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think that's, you know, again, 
always kind of keep your feet grounded. Three and zero is awesome. That's mm-hmm. fantastic. But you know what? There's a lot of games left. There's a lot of football. There's 13 football games left. So you never know. We've seen teams start. Look, the Lions start six and two a uh, few, you know, several years ago. They end up finishing, you know, nine and seven mm-hmm. or seven and nine. Excuse me. It's just you never know. You've seen the Broncos start off six and zero a couple years ago and then absolutely fade. So you know, there's still a lot to go through. But I think winning two tough road games, especially a divisional game against the Vikings, and I think a very solid win against the Tampa Bay Bucks in Week One. Um, I think that's what impresses me more than just being three and zero. Our two great wins. Um, the Lions. We're getting carved up in the first half. They looked terrible. Adrian Peterson was running all over them. Um, just not looking good at all. But again, you know, go to Megatron. If you have one-on-one coverage, go to Calvin Johnson every day of the week. Okay, He's got two touchdown catches now in uh, consecutive games in all the games this season, which is absolutely incredible. Um, absolutely incredible. Um, he's the first player in NFL history to actually achieve that, to have two touchdowns in each of the first three games. So congratulations to Megatron. That catch he made at the end to oh set up the field go- was just... I, I feel like he can't miss a pass practically. I was like, where is he throwing this ball? And all of a sudden, Calvin Johnson wasn't even close to him. Somehow it's like he's tripping, it. he's falling down, and he still grabs it almost he with ease. He was falling when he caught it. Yeah. He wasn't, even, he wasn't even still on his feet. He was falling. And I'm like, okay, seriously, throw the ball anywhere near that guy. He will find some way to get it. Oh, some way. Just put it up. Jump ball. You saw it with the first touchdown catch that they had with Calvin in the right side of the end zone. Yeah. Um, just throw it up. It's, you know, it's unfair in a lot of ways. But I want to ask our, all of our listeners, what do you think of the Lions, okay? The 3-0. and What do you think of this win? What do you think they need to work on? And what do you think of this next week against the Cowboys? It's going to be at Dallas. Back-to-back, you know, road games. Um, going to be a tough game. It's never easy going into Dallas and playing, no matter what Dallas team you're really getting. But give me a call. 517-432-3893 is the phone number. But, uh, again, I mean, I just want to the resiliency of this team to not get – we're not get stressed out, not worry, just stick to their game plan and do what they know works. Um, you know, here's a quote from Dominic Riola regarding the Lions and what they did at halftime. He said, I, I said it before, it's not I said it before, it's not hope anymore. We, we we believe. Nobody freaked out at halftime. Nobody yelled. There's enough talent in this room, enough grown ups. Nobody has to yell. The belief that we have is unreal. We've been through hell and back. We've been 0 16. Can you get worse than that? No. When we go three and out, it's like, all right, let's get back up and chop that tree down. And by the end of the game, we had chopped at it enough that it fell, end quote. And that's exactly it. This is a team that is not getting flustered, okay, when they may build a lead and then lose it or might get behind and have to claw back. They stick to their guns. They stick to what works. And credit Every, credit Scott Linehan, credit Gunther Cunningham on the defensive side of the ball, and please credit Jim Schwartz, who has changed the whole mentality of this franchise, of this team, into a team that believes in themselves, the team that believes they can go out there and win games regardless of what anybody else thinks. Okay, This was going to be a tough game, I thought, no matter what. I knew it was going to be a close game, but the Lions gutted it out, and they end up winning the game on one of my favorite Detroit Lions, Jason Hansen, a man who's been on this team since 1992, almost 20 years. You know, he's eight, on, he's eight for eight this season with kicking field goals, booted a great 50-yarder yesterday and clinched it with a 32-yarder. Jason Hansen, fantastic job as usual. Um, you know, one of the best Lions around. But uh, let's move forward, though, real fast um, to what's going on here this upcoming 
upcoming week against the Dallas Cowboys. Now, Dallas hasn't played this week yet. They're going to be playing on a short week. Uh, they're playing Monday Night Football. That game should actually be getting going here probably in about an hour to 20 minutes. They'll be playing the Washington Redskins. Redskins 2-0, and Dallas 1-1. and So it's going to be a very interesting game. Dallas dealing with some injuries. Romo is expected to start. Um, he did suffer a punctured lung last week as well as a fractured rib. So, you know, he's still banged up. So we'll see how that goes. They'll be missing Miles Austin with a hamstring injury. And Des Bryant and Felix Jones are, uh, you know, questionable but probable, really game-time decisions for that team. So looking at this game coming up against Dallas, which should look to be a very good game. Um, Dallas, second in the league right now in passing yards. They're averaging almost 376 yards per game. The Detroit Lions, though, fourth in passing yards. So right there. And you want to look at two teams that just can't run the football? Dallas Cowboys and Detroit Lions. Uh, The Detroit Lions are ranked 26th right now when it comes to rushing yards. Only 78 yards a game. Just awful. Absolutely awful. And if you think it couldn't get worse, Dallas Cowboys 30th in the league. The bottom of the barrel averaging only 54 yards a game. But at the same time, Great running defense by from the Dallas Cowboys. They rank second overall, 11th in opponents' passing yards. Detroit Lions, they can't stop the run that that very well, 21st in rushing yards, but at the same time, Dallas can't run the ball. Not a big deal. But they do rank fourth overall in opponents' passing yards, so that is your key there. It's going to be the secondary being able to stop you know weapons like Jason Witten and the guys that Tony Romo is going to be using to really attack us. Uh, I think it's going to be a very good game. It's going to be a 1 o'clock start time in Dallas. Again, Dallas is going to be on a short week. It's never easy to play when you're short week, and Dallas is quite bruised up. And at the same time, it looks like the Detroit Lions could be getting Nick Fairley back um, for this game, which uh, is quite exciting to imagine him lining up with Indomitka Sue, Kyle Vandenbosch, and Corey Williams. So, you know, looking ahead to next week, Megan, uh, you know, Dallas right now, you're going to be in a short week, kind of banged up. Do you see the Lions going 4-0 here? I do. I've been saying that from the beginning. I mean, I was looking at yesterday, I was trying to compare, you know, because I was, I was working, so there were some guys at the bar that were like, oh, so what's it say for next week? And I was, like, comparing numbers and everything. And I was looking at the team, and I was like, basically that we're going to win. Like, I didn't even have to, like, say anything about numbers. I was like, pretty much, you know, Dallas Dallas is a decent team, but I still think the Lions are going to beat them. Like you said, short week, short short players, just beat up, all that good stuff. So, yeah, I do see them going for now. Yeah, I, I think they'll beat Dallas as well. Um, you know, they just they're playing that well, and I think you know you look at the issues the Lions have. They need to run the b- football a lot better. They ran the ball only for twenty yards on nineteen carries. Don't get me wrong, Minnesota has a great. Uh, you know, great uh, front four. They have a great defense, and you saw it uh, through a lot of the game. Maybe not as much through the air, but on the ground, they look good. Um, the Lions need to rush the ball a lot better. The offensive line cannot open any running lanes for our running backs. It was pathetic. Not to mention, big mistakes by guys that are chairless, letting a blindside tackle hit Stafford. That cannot happen. This is why he got knocked out last year, because of Julius Peppers coming off the left side and just murdering him. Okay, that cannot happen, and that's why he was benched, and they put Corey Hillard in, but at the same time, Corey Hillard didn't do too well. Okay, they need to figure out right tackle, and you look at left tackle, I like Jeff Backus, he's been a lion for as long as I can remember, but those two stupid false start penalties back-to-back at the end of the game, when we had a chance to not even have to go to overtime, um, absolutely unacceptable. Nobody who has as much experience as Jeff Backus should be making those kinds of mental mistakes, um, needs to figure it out. 
needs to figure it out. Um, also, special team ace Isaiah um, Ekajibuba. I can't say his name. That sounded ridiculous. Um, he suffered a shoulder injury, and he could miss some time. Um, Aaron Berry also was not able to finish the game, our cornerback. Um, but they say his injuries are day-to-day, so nothing really to get too worried about. Quick uh, quote from Jim Schwartz regarding the offensive line. Quote, we can play better. Obviously, we had taken zero sacks in the first two games and took five here. Not all of them were on the offensive line's fault, but we can play better, and we need to play better. End quote. And that's true. He was hit seven times, sacked five. Um, if you want Stafford to stay healthy, don't let him get hit like that. Because if he does, trust me, that China doll will be back in its case. Okay. But, uh, you know, again, congratulations to the Lions on a gutty win. Um, just gutting it out. Great to see. Uh, real quickly, because you got to move on to the Detroit Tigers around the NFL. Uh, Pittsburgh held on to a very close game, very good game, 23-20 to last night against the Indianapolis Colts. Green Bay uh, beat Chicago in a quite convincing win, 27-17. Seattle edged the Cardinals 13-10. to Tampa Bay, nice win against the Atlanta Falcons, 16-13. And a nice props to the Oakland Raiders beating the New York Stinky Jets 34-24. to uh, Darren McFadden looking like a beast and Jason Campbell really uh, moving the ball along well there out in Oakland. Baltimore absolutely destroying the St. Louis Rams 37-7. San Diego holds on to win against KC 20-17. Not the greatest week from Phillip Rivers or Vincent Jackson. And Buffalo in probably one of the best games other than our own this weekend. Buffalo upsetting the New England Patriots 34-31. Um, another exciting weekend with Buffalo just like last weekend against the Raiders. Buffalo looked, they looked good enough to win. Tom Brady, four touchdowns, but four interceptions. Don't see that often from Tom. Um, San Francisco beats Cincinnati 13-8. to Cleveland wins 17-16 against Miami. Tennessee gets uh, their first win against Denver, 17-14. And New Orleans uh, staves off uh, the Texans, 40-33. to Giants looking great against Philly, 29-16. to Giants, uh, Eli Manning, four touchdown passes, looking good. And finally, Cam Newton, Cam Newton getting his first win, 16-10 to against the Jags in what was like looked like the Rain Bowl. Uh, passing really wasn't much of a thing, but getting the victory nonetheless. Real quickly, news around the league. Michael Vick's hand is bruised, not broken. Um, he had a CT scan, CT scan here uh, today, and it shows that he has a bruised hand, not a fracture. Uh, Coach uh, Andy Reid says, quote, Today he had a scan, and it showed there was no break. It was a blood vessel sitting above the bone. That happens at times with x-rays. The blood vessels make it look like there was a fracture. There's still a bunch of swelling. It is sensitive to, t- to the touch. The, pos- the positive is there's not a fracture there, end quote. So they'll see how the swelling goes. They'll see how manageable it is. But don't worry about Vic at least being out four to five to six weeks like might have happened if he had actually broken his hand. But again, anyone has any comments on the Lions, still give us a phone call. 517-432-3893 is your phone number. Also, real fast, Colts Peyton Manning, um, he, sa- he might return uh, by December, uh, but most likely he He's not. Um, they will. He'll be remain on the active roster, but really pain pretty much out. He had neck surgery September eighth, and um, they're just trying to really get rid of that pain in his disc. So. We'll see what happens there. Hopefully, uh, Manny most likely will be out all season, but hopefully he can really heal up and be ready for next season. This will probably be kind of a lost year for the Colts, but Payne can be healthy. Trust me, they'll be back by next by next season. Uh, but we're going to jump to the Detroit Tigers. The Detroit Tigers right now, you know, they've already clinched the division. You know, great job by them getting it done last Saturday, uh, last Friday, excuse me, and being the Oakland A's. And looking at this week real quickly, um, this past week, they played the uh, Kansas City Royals on Tuesday, and they lost 10-2. Penny giving up 10 hits and 7 earned runs in only 4 innings. Not that great of a game. On Wednesday, Tigers get back to form. Fister getting his 10th win. 
They're winning 6-3 to three at KC. Um, Fister, he was used in relief. He only went three innings, um, but at the same time, it was a dual game. They used Scherzer, they used Fister. Just, uh, they're basically doing that to keep, keep options open for our playoff rotation. On Thursday, um, at home, we lost to Baltimore 6-5. to five. Um, You know, we had a four-run fifth inning, just not enough to really get it done. But at the same time, you know, tough loss, but move on. Friday, they played Baltimore again at home, winning 4-3. to three. Um, You know, really nice job by uh, Victor Martinez, obviously, getting the game-winning RBI in the 11th. Uh, looking at Saturday's game, Jacob Turner getting roughed up. Jacob Turner giving up um, five runs in three-plus innings. Um, not Saturday, excuse me, that was on uh, Thursday. But on Saturday, it was a loss 6-5, to five, and that was Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander went on Saturday. Now, he didn't get the loss. It was, a no, it was a no decision. So, you know, he's still 24-5. and five. But at the same time, it was a no decision. Um, you know, Verlander really, you know, doing all he could. He, he didn't look good from the start. Let's just be completely honest. He didn't. Um, you know, he basically, he had 84 pitches already through four innings. Um, you know, that's not good. Uh, not good at all. But he did settle down and retired 13 of the last 14 batters. And I'll just get to it right now. He did not win 25 games. Um, Bob Welch did do that in 1990, being the last one. But at the same time, Verlander having an incredible season. And we'll talk about this right now. Who deserves to win the AL MVP? I want to hear from you guys, okay? I've talked about it. I know what I think. All right, I want to hear from you. 517-432-3893. Megan, looking at the poss- the people that are really battling for this right now, okay? You know, you can really say Adrian Gonzalez in Boston out there. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury also in Boston. Jose Batista. Um, I mean, I, I think Miguel you could maybe throw in there, but probably not. Um, you know, Curtis Granderson, Justin Verlander. Who deserves this award? I know we talked about it last week, and now we see Justin did not get to 25, which I still think is okay. What do you think? Uh, okay, what do I think? Well, I was kind of on like you know the edge with it, saying should a pitcher get it, should they not? You know, how do you compare that to a person who plays every day when they play every fifth rotation, that kind of thing? Honestly, I mean, Boston's having a hard time even making wild card right now. Yes, <laughs> they, they are. can't even win. And if you want to compare that to even last year, you know, we didn't even make it to playoffs, and that's why. Um, Cabrera, we feel, didn't get the MVP. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if Boston doesn't make it, despite their players, they shouldn't get it. Okay. And that's just how I feel. I mean, if they're going to do that to Cabrera, why not do it to two other players that are in for the MVP? I think it's really down to the two would be Curtis Granderson and Verlander. Okay, so you think it's between Granderson and Verlander? I do. And if I'm going to look at, you know, like you were saying last week, none of these people in the race have really done anything spectacular. Yeah. They're, this isn't like they're not having a year where they're have like... Just even, an amazing season. Yeah, an amazing year. And I was just looking at um, Granderson's batting average, and he had like a 2.98 or something. It's really, really low. No, Granderson's batting 266. That's as, what it is. Yeah, and 266 it was, right Yeah, it was now. even lower. And I mean, why should a guy who's batting 266, despite his RBIs and his home runs, why should he win? No, I definitely agree with that 100%. I mean, you know, he's got 41 home runs, 119 RBIs. Uh, That's fantastic. Don't get me wrong. He's, you know, a 930 OPS, but he's batting 266. Yeah, I know. 266. And even despite, I've been like, because when you've been talking this whole time, I've been looking up articles about the MVP. Like, four out of, like, the six articles I was reading, all titled Verlander should win MVP, Verlander should win MVP. Despite he didn't get his 25th win, he, I was reading he was responsible, for, responsible single-handedly for 26% of the Tigers' wins, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, it doesn't seem like a lot, but a 24-5 In a 162-game season, yeah, that's a lot. that's a lot. And, you know, and just his numbers and just everything. He's just spectacular. He said his best year 
probably ever. He's pulled it together. And I'm not sitting here being a fan. It's just like comparing everything together. Going with everyone that you said it was down to, I would have to pick Verlander. Despite him being a pitcher, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't think it matters either. And that's why, and that's not a home thing. I mean, there are 28 people that are going to be voting on this, okay? 28 writers that get votes. We won't know until November who's going to win it. But when you look at who's in contention for it, again, Adrian Gonzalez right now, 27 home runs, 117 RBIs, batting 338. That's a solid year. Very solid. Doesn't stand out. Okay, Jacoby Ellsbury, again on Boston, 31 home runs, 103 RBIs, batting 322. Also a very good year. But I think your point was very solid. In the, I mean, look at Ortiz alone, 29 home runs, 96 RBIs. You made a great point in the fact that if Boston, if they fail to make the playoffs with the talent that they have, these guys don't deserve MVP awards, mm-hmm. and they certainly don't. If they can fall out of the race, they only have a game lead right now on Tampa Bay. Okay, it's going to be very interesting to see how this goes. Tampa Bay has a three-game series left with New York. Boston will be facing the Orioles. And if you want to look at um, what is the other matchup. But yeah, Boston will be facing the Orioles. And, um, yeah, the Cardinals, they're only a game back of the Braves. They'll be facing the Houston Astros. And, uh, unfortunately, the Braves will be playing the Phillies. Phillies probably will be resting some of their guys. But, uh, nonetheless... You look at that, Miguel Cabrera right now as well, he's in, he's in the lead for the batting title at 341. I just think one of the biggest things, you want to look at numbers. Let's talk about Roger Clemens for a brief second. Roger Clemens was the last starting pitcher to win this award in 1986, okay? The last guy to do it. Here are Roger Clemens' numbers for 1986. He won the Cy Young and the AL MVP. He was 24-4. and Verlander's 24-5. and His ERA was a 2.48. Justin's is 2.40. His whip was a .969. His whip now, .93. Innings pitched, 254. JV has pitched more than that. Okay? Strikeouts, 238. JV has 250. And you want to know who was second in voting for the AL MVP? Hmm. Don Mattingly. And look, at you know what Mattingly's number were? Very, very similar to a lot of the guys we're discussing right now. Your Gonzalez, your Ellsbury, your Curtis Granderson. But his were even better in the sense that he batted three fifty two. Okay, he had 31 home runs, 113 RBIs. Okay, let's take a look. 3,113. Jacoby Ellsbury, 31, 103, and he has a 322 batting average. I know that was 1986, and, you know, it was a different type of game. But listen, the kind of year Verlander is having, based upon the kind of year all these other guys are having, it's got to be Verlander in my eyes. I don't think you can take that away from him. He can still win the Triple Crown. He has locked up his he's locked up strikeouts. He's locked up wins. The only thing potential that he could not get his ERA. Jared Weaver has a 2.41 ERA. ERA. We, you know, Verlander's a 2.40. Now, Weaver's supposed to go again on Wednesday against the Angels. The Rangers are finishing up with the Angels. But he might not even start necessarily, depending on Angels could be completely out of the race and already uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Jared Weaver has thrown a career high in, uh, a career high in uh, innings pitched. So uh, we will definitely see another quick fact. You want to talk about batting average? The 266 Granderson is batting. Okay, the lowest batting average for a hitter winning AL MVP was Reggie Jackson in 1973, and he batted 293, which is almost 30 percentage points higher. Okay, so just don't give it. I, Verlander, I think, gets it. I mean, mm-hmm. he should. I, I think so too. He really should. Completely. Yeah, you want to do NASCAR real fast? Sure. Let everyone know what's NASCAR happening. NASCAR real yeah. fast. Um. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to watch. As I said, I was 
working yesterday. I even I got to watch the Lions game, or fortunately. That's good. But it was on during the same time. So, I mean, it was kind of like when the game was over, the race, we watched the end of it. Yeah. Um, majority, I mean, it really wasn't too exciting. Majority of the race was actually led by Jeff Gordon. Um, he led 78 laps out of 300, um, which, I mean, Casey Gain won, or led 43. I mean, last I knew, Jeff Gordon was leading, and then the race was over. Um, but not many cautions. There were four, I think it said. Um, sorry, I'm on the wrong thing. There we go. Yeah, there were three cautions, 19 lead changes, two-hour, 43-minute race, like mm-hmm. nothing, eh. It's kind of boring. Super, yeah. So I'm kind of glad I got to watch Lions instead. They won in overtime. But Yeah, I would rather watch that, too. Uh, Tony Stewart, actually, his second win during the chase, uh, he ended up winning. Brad Keselowski, second. Greg Bethel, third. Jeff ended up finishing fourth. Um, Vickers, fifth. Kenza, sixth. Reagan, seventh. Edwards, eighth. Montoya, ninth. And uh, Reagan Smith is tenth. Dale Hurd Jr. finished 17th. Right now, um, this is at Loudon. just to let you guys know. I kind of like jumping all over. <laughs> um, we only have eight races left. Right now, the standings for the, uh, excuse me, for the chase are Tony Stewart in first. Obviously, he's won two, two out of the three races we've had for the chase. Harvick second, Kozlowski third, Carl Edwards fourth, Jeff Gordon fifth, Kyle Busch sixth, Kurt Busch, he was extremely, he, I don't know what happened to him. He was in like 32nd place or something yesterday. Yeah, probably it's big car trouble. Yeah, Matt Kenza's 7th, Dale Earnhardt 8th, Kurt Busch is still in it, but he went down 5 points in ninth, and Jimmy Johnson went down 2 in 10th. So that is your top 10 before we head into um, Dover uh, next weekend, October 2nd. So only eight races left, guys. I know it's exciting stuff, and you can't wait to hear more, but <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty much it. No, good stuff. Uh, you know, it's great to hear. Uh, Tony Stewart, very impressive. Uh, people knew if he got into the chase, he'd be, uh, he'd be a competitor to deal with, and he's proven it right now. Being solid. So, yeah, being very solid. Good job for Tony. Uh, real quickly, getting back to baseball, a couple other things I just did want to touch on quickly. Um, again, you talk about the uh, batting title. Cabrera is in the lead. He's batting 341. Uh, the people behind him, Michael Young and Adrian Gonzalez, both at 338. So it's really going between those three in those, these final three games. And again, Texas will be facing the Angels. Boston will be facing the Orioles. And the Tigers will be playing the Indians. The Tigers will be playing the Indians Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday here at home. All games are at 705. So the Tigers have already been underway here for the last about 50 minutes. Uh, Doug Fister is going against Ubaldo Jimenez tonight. Uh, Tuesday's game will take, will be uh, Max Scherzer versus Gomez. And Wednesday will be Porcello versus McAllister. So that's how the last three games play out. Again, we are one game behind the Texas Rangers for home field advantage. If we have a worse record than Texas, come Wednesday, we will play the New York Rangers at New York Friday night. Or not maybe just Friday. It could be an afternoon game. I don't want to say Friday night because they have three games usually that day. But it will be on Friday. Now, if we have a better record then Texas. Then we, will be pl- then we will be playing either a Boston Red Sox team if they can hold on, or a Tampa Bay Rays team that takes over Boston. So those are really your outcomes. Again, we're one game behind Texas. Hopefully, uh, you know you want home field because if a series goes to five, regardless, you get that game five at home. It would just be nice to be at Comerica. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. It, again, it would be nice to see. I'm um, looking at some of the other races. Again, the Cardinals only one game behind the Braves. Cardinals playing the 104 loss. Houston Astros, they're despicable, and the Braves get the host, the NL champ, 
uh, the NL East champs, the Phillies. So it's going to be a very exciting end to the season. Um, it's been, I think it's been a wild finish in a lot of ways. Um, you know, real fast, uh, looking at this, Megan, um, I know it's tough to say, but if you had to pick right now, would you rather play the Yankees, the Red Sox, or the Rays? Now, the Rays aren't in yet, obviously. They need to get in, but who would you rather face? Oh, my gosh. That would have to be the Red Sox. That's been the coldest team I've seen in a long time. They have been ice cold? And they were the team I was picking to win. And then all of a sudden, they just started dying. And then the Yankees took the lead. And that would be the team I'd want to see. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to say because, again, you want to, I know we have a short amount of time, but, you know, when you look at the Tigers back in 2006, they lost their final five games. Um, you know, people thought a slumping, slumping team, and then we make it to the World Series in the playoffs. You could kind of see, see a thing like that for Boston. But Boston has been despicable, um, absolutely terrible um, in, this fine, in this month of September when it comes. Boston is 6-18 and 18 this month in September. The Rays are 14-10. and 10. Um, You know, just absolutely terrible. 6-18, and 18, that's not just losing five games. That's playing pretty poorly. So, uh, you know, we will see um, how that all develops there. Again, real fast for this lineup, if you like it tonight, it's Will Rimes, Don Kelly, Don Kelly, Delman Young, Miguel Cabrera, Victor Martinez, Alex Avila, Ryan Rayburn, Santiago, Andy Dirks. Again, Doug Fister is pitching. Um, unfortunately, Wilson, um, Sarah, Wilson Betamete will be unavailable. Um, quote from Jim Lee, the quote, I'm worried about Betamete, and I'll leave it at that, end quote. Um, Carlos Guillen will not be ready for an ALDS uh, game. He might be ready for the AL Championship Series if we can. And make it there. But again, guys, we'll know here by Wednesday where all the cards fall. They're up four to nothing too right now. Just let you guys know. Awesome. Top of the fourth. Four to nothing. That's that's great. Uh, you know, I mean, I think Miguel Cabrera's got the batting title locked. He's batting four or five in September. It's absolutely incredible. Nah. Absolutely incredible. We have so much more to get to next week. This show <laughs> flew by. It always does. We need another hour here at the Sports Wrap. But again, I want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in to this week. This week's show. Uh, next week, a lot of great stuff here for you. Still, the Asian Invasion is coming up next. So stay tuned for all of you listeners. My name is Dave. I'm Megan. You guys have a great night out there. You've been listening to the Spartan Sports Wrap on Impact Exposure. Tune in every week for more of the greatest sports information, news, and analysis. Here and only here on Impact 89FM.